Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. Welcome back to the Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And with me, as always, is the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. How are we doing today? Having a blessed day and excited about diving in the Word with our brothers and sisters. Amen. And diving in the Word, uh, that is definitely what we're going to be talking about. And specifically, not just diving into the Word, but why we dive into the Word. And this actually stems from a recent interview we did actually a comment on a recent interview that we did with Elisa Childers. And on that interview, we talked a lot about the Word of God. And someone actually wrote a comment on there. And we thought, hey, we would love to build up our, our brothers and sisters in Christ on why we trust the Bible. Because this is what they had to say. They said, it's interesting. When she brought up not being able to explain why the Bible is true, and the only answer she gave was because it just is, I'm also at that point right now. People ask me all the time, but that is the only answer I really know to give. So somebody is, uh, Joe, someone's concerned that they don't really have an answer to say, well, this is why I trust the Bible to be true and so forth. And I thought, and you thought as well, it'd be great to kind of give a few different reasons. And in fact, this is only, I guess, we're just scratching the, the very, very small surface. I think you've even done a series on reasons to trust the Bible, 50 reasons or something a long time ago on reasons to trust the Bible. So this starts off, and and I'll hand it over to you, Um, you know, this starts off just kind of a series that that we're going to think about doing concerning just why we should trust the Bible, because, you know, we should. Yeah, I know you and I have very uh, similar testimonies, Chad, as far as prophecy playing a role in us coming to a realization that the Bible is the Word of God, and that's why we believe that it's one of the most underutilized uh, evidences, you know, prophecy. I mean... Uh, God himself, as we're going to see, states that he proves he is the one true God because he tells the end from the beginning. And that's huge. And when I was a non-Christian, I just kind of ridiculed the God of the Bible, the God of creation, Christianity, uh, out of it, just pure arrogance and ignorance as a punk kid who wanted to do my own thing, you know. And uh, I opened myself up to the demonic world, and God disciplined me. And I rec- I came to recognize through the enemy trying to use me by giving me a bunch of music and lyrics and and so forth that I still have to this, to this day as a witness of stuff I couldn't write to this day. It's way beyond uh, poetically and it's just crazy stuff that came from a demo, the, the demonic agencies, which, by the way, is another evidence <laughs> of uh, that there's a God, you know. People have seen our video when I've expo- exposed this now for years, and I can't tell you how many times people come, well, there's obviously a Satan, there's got to be a God, you know. And I'm like, yep, that's yeah, right. I've heard that before somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And when I was under, uh, opened myself up to these things and under their influence, writing this bizarre stuff and getting all these lyrics and all this music. Uh, and then they began to reveal themselves or their, their natures with my covers being pulled down and, you know, sliding down the bed and sliding sideways and, and tormenting type experiences. I'm like, man, I, I realized, especially when they started to audibly communicate to me, that, wow, I'm not in touch with some subconscious force. I'm in, I'm in touch with something that's personal, 
So I can't just justify all my evil lyrics now. Now I'm realizing there's evil entities. It's not something I could just explain away. So when I came to that conclusion in my own, uh, you know, discovery of the fact that there's transcendent beings, that they're uh, something far beyond us, at least at the very least at that point, disembodied spirits, not knowing anything about them, but their nature as being not benign, but malignant, evil, uh, malevolent forces, dark powers. So when I recognized that, uh, I cried out to God in the midst of one of my mystical experiences when I was in a state of paralysis, this humming sound going through me. I cried out and boom, right when I cried out, it stopped. And about a week or two later, same experience happened and it stopped again right when I cried out. Then I knew for absolutely sure this is not, I didn't know the Bible talked about two or three witnesses. I should have needed just one for me, but because I'd been through so much and I cried out to him again and it, it broke again. I realized, wow, God is real. Satan is real. There's demonic forces. They're real. And what was heavy about that whole thing was that I knew God was good and Satan was evil, but I didn't know who this God was. But I got a glimpse and understand of who he was intuitively to a degree because all my lyrics were anti-God and anti-Christ. And they were pro-occult, the worldly occult. I thought, wow, these forces are speaking against Christ, the Bible, Christianity. You know, your God is your myth, your myth is your God, but I had the Christian God in mind. And uh, disappointment is your friend. In other words, you'll be set free when you come to realize there's no God. All these ugly, demonic lyrics. And so intuitively, I had a strong sense that this is the God who's inspired this book, the Bible. I got on my knees and cried out to God, uh, thanked Him for delivering me, but I wanted to make sure I understood who He was. So I went to the Bible, and I began to search it out. And one thing that had stunned me so amazingly was that he himself distinguished himself from all the false gods and all the demon gods and all the idols that people worship by saying that he alone can consistently, and he does it perfectly, tell the end from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And he challenges those who follow false gods to look at his track record. And since he does that, I'm dumbfounded that so many apologetic ministries focus on everything sometimes but Bible prophecy. And it's like, what are you guys doing? That persuaded me in my my salvation experience. And uh, and I began to see all these prophecies. And I started checking them out. Wow, here's what God says about Israel. You know, here's what it says about the Messiah in the Old Testament and how the Jews would miss him. And he even gives all these pictures of him that are so profound that the Jews to this day still don't understand, but they're throughout the Old Testament. It just dumbfounds me to this day. There's a veil over them. And I thought, wow, man, you can obviously, you've revealed yourself through the pages of Holy Scripture, through prophecy. Maybe before we get into one of the linchpins of the prophetic witness, Chad, you can share a little bit of your testimony and how prophecy played a role in that as well. Yeah, no, I and a lot of you here who have listened to Good Fight Ministries, you can hear, if you want to, our first three episodes were myself, Joe, and Tony sharing our testimony. So if you want to know like the full-length version on either one of those, you guys can go there, or you can go to Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel to see Joe's hour-long testimony, and that's been, a lot of people have seen that and just been really blown away by that, so you can hear the whole thing in detail. So I'll give you just the Reader's Digest and then why prophecy was so such a big deal in my walk with Christ. And that comes from, as Joe mentioned, people who had saw they sold their souls to rock and roll. There's a reason why when we film this, we always keep that by my head right here because that was the film that I watched that I was convinced, just as Joe said, whoa, if there's a Satan, there's a spiritual, a metaphysical reality, that means, guess what? There is a God. And that conclusion ended by me saying, Wait a second, once I heard not only the gospel preached, but also the words of Jesus, immediately after I heard the gospel, then hearing the words of Jesus in Matthew 12, 30, 
he was not with me is against me. And when I heard that and heard the words that Joe used, which was to not make a choice is to make a choice. I realized that I needed to bow my knee and, and give my life over to Christ. And I did just that. And on the very first week of me coming to Christ and hearing the gospel, because the Bible says very clearly that it's the dudamus, it is the dynamite power, that gospel, that's what it has. And that's what it had in me. And the gospel came in and into my life. Jesus Christ became a part of my life. The Holy Spirit came into me. I now no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that life, which I now live in the flesh, I live now to glorify God with everything in me. But when I went to church that first Sunday, after calling my friend who had given me that video, and he said, hey, bro, I said, I just, I watched the video. I want to live for Christ now. I got to meet the guy who made this video. He's like, well, that's my pastor. It's where I go to church. It's at Blessed Hope Chapel. And I showed up to church on that first weekend. It was right after the inauguration of Barack Obama. And you did a message on Rick Warren's prayer not being so biblical. And uh, I was there in the audience for the first time. And it was me and a bunch of my friends, some one of which I had uh, been at his house when I gave my life to Christ. Another one had given me the video. Another one had brought that one to Christ. And the rest were his family members and sisters. And we were all sitting up close and we walked up to tell him, hey, one of you know I watched your video, I gave a life to Christ. And we walked out with this stack of videos this big from everything Good Fight had ever made. And huh. we went home and the first one that we clicked on outside of the 10-hour video happened to be one called Megiddo March to Armageddon, which Joe is featured in. And that one dealt with, and the one that sticks out to me that has always now been a book in my heart is the one from Daniel, uh, was when it mentions the prophecies in Daniel, and specifically that these prophecies, the, you know, the Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2 that Daniel interprets for him. First of all, the guys didn't have no idea what the dream was, let alone, and Daniel's able to come and tell you what the dream is and what it means, because why? He worships the God of Israel, telling the end from the beginning. And, oh man, I, I don't want to tell this story because we have some great prophecies of why to believe the Bible, but I want to tell you this because you gave some personal notes and this one always gets me, so I'll try not to be too emotional, but I remember seeing that dream and then you see that it played out in history and we know without a doubt, especially because of the Septuagint, that those kingdoms, many of which had not come into play by the time Daniel was done writing the book of Daniel and you see the, ki- the kingdom, the top of the head being um, being Babylon, then you have the Medes and the Persians, you know, and later you see the two different sides of the arms, the Medes, the Persians, then you see Greece, and then you see Rome as the legs, and you see this clearly laid out, and then that's empire what's taking place. Empire, empire. Israel. Right? Yeah, and empire after empire after empire, right? And we see that, and it was like, wow. And I just remember, as a, as I said, a brand new believer. By the way, I had already now come to believe in Jesus, and now I believe this was part of what the Lord was doing as a regenerate, when you are regenerated, I believe you be, you start to love the word of God immediately. When you love the Lord, you start to love his word. And when people say they love the Lord, but doubt his word, I have doubts about their salvation. That's my, that's just my honest opinion. But part of that sanctification came from his word, as Jesus calls it in John 17, his word is truth. And it was Daniel's prophecies that really stuck out to me as a brand new believer watching that film. And I said to myself at that time, God, I would love to have these prophecies laid out for me. And I, I'm not a good artist. I can't draw at all. And I'm like, could I wish that I could draw this, but I can't. But I would love to have it one day. Fast forward about eight months later, I'm studying prophecy. I'm studying the word. I'm out sharing the gospel, everything. 
Uh, my grandfather comes to me and he says, hey, I have these theology books that were from your great, great aunts. And I would love for you to have those theology books. And I said, wow, that'd be awesome. I would, I would love to have them. And I open up the book and it's an old, old book, an old commentary on Genesis. And I start opening it and the card comes out and it's literally her, her card for certification to teach Sunday school uh, at her Wesleyan church back in 1923. And then a second one comes down from 1927. And then pops out a picture that she had drawn interpreting the, the interpretation of Daniel's dream to Nebuchadnezzar with the dates on it, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome. And it just, it, it broke me down and I started crying because I just thought to myself, she was drawing that, had no idea. That's yeah, powerful. No idea that, you know, almost a thousand years later, almost a hundred years later, I'm sorry, almost a hundred years later, there would be this, this drunken, you know, debaucherous human being that would one day come to Christ and want that picture drawn. And when she was sitting there drawing out this prophecy that proves, by the way, the Bible is the word of God without a doubt, without a shadow of the doubt. And she was drawing that. God knew while she was drawing that, that one day I would come to Christ and I would want that. That not only showed me that Bible is the word of God, but that God is intimately acquainted with all our ways and he cares about us individually. So it was something that always affected me. And specifically, as he said, it is breaks my heart that is the most underutilized witness, seemingly, in the apologetics realm when, as it had such an effect on me, as it had such an effect on Joe, Tony's not in the show, but I can tell you right now, he loves prophecy just as much as Joe and I do. And the fact that it's underutilized breaks our heart, so we're not going to let it, that happen. So, Amen. <laughs> you know what we're going to do? Because this is great that we're, able, we're sharing our testimonies yeah. and so forth. So we've probably taken up half the program, which is great because you're seeing why we emphasize prophecy so much. It was such a powerful, uh, you know, thing that the Lord used in both of our lives. We know how powerful it is when we witness to others. So what we'll do, instead of doing Israel, we'll do that next episode. Now, and they didn't we, even know we were doing that, so that's perfect. Mm, well, <laughs> that's where we're we going. didn't mention for Israel. Well, no. That's what, that's what it's supposed to be about, but it'll yeah. be the next episode. Uh, because this, is gonna, this works out really good, though. Because what we're going to do is, uh, we're going to do what would be the episode after this, where we're going to be more kind of scattershot, different prophecies about, you know, just, you know, just a few different, not just Israel, other prophecies. We'll do with them this episode, and because there's so many evidences, and that way we'll do with Israel. We have more time to do with that in the next episode. But in this episode, we think about it, since we're talking about spiritual warfare, yeah. and we're talking about our testimonies, and light of biblical prophecy, I think it's fascinating when we just, if you look at ancient civilizations, it's one thing that proved it to me. I'm like, I'm under this attack. I'm realizing there's these demonic forces. And I cry out to God. He delivers me that I see the answer in his word and it's all over his word. It doesn't just talk about prophecy and what's coming in the end and how uh, there's, it's linear and that, end, that, that, that time will come to an end and its culmination with Armageddon as far as this age is concerned and Christ will reign. But it also talks about this entire spiritual warfare that goes on through uh, the prophetic uh, teaching and how from Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, we have the first utterance, clear utterance of the gospel. And that is that, Satan will, you know, bruise Jesus' heel, which he did metaphorically, and he did literally when Jesus was on the cross, the, the blood setting at the heel there. It's kind of interesting, making a bruise, which forensic science tells us that's what happens. But uh, that Jesus would crush his head. And then we see Satan trying to stop the seed of the woman, specifically as it comes through Abraham and the Messiah throughout the entire scripture. And in Daniel, you see that spiritual warfare. You see these angelic beings fighting. In Revelation chapter 12, you see Michael and his angels with Satan and his angels. You see the spiritual war. 
So I was blown away because I didn't only really see biblical prophecy uh, as being such a powerful evidence of this of of who God is, but he he peeled back you know the curtains and and by the way the word apocalypse apocalypse the revelation of Jesus Christ very first word in the book of Revelation is not the it's not ho the uh, a definite article it's revelation it's apocalypse and uh, and we people think the apocalypse is Armageddon the end time. The word apocalypse simply means revealing. Although in that context, it does reveal the end time and what's going to happen. But it's interesting because you see the spiritual war going on. And I'm like, wow, this doesn't only tell me the end from the beginning. It shows me that this God has a plan. It shows me that this battle that I was in is actually talked about in the scripture. And there's all these lies all around through a lot of the bands I was into and promoting and so forth. Uh, uh, and through the lyrics and everything else, I should say that, that that same spirit. But it talks about this spiritual war. And it talks about how we sort of put on the whole armor of God. Cast down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of the Lord, wrestling against flesh and blood, but principles and powers, the rulers, the darkness of the world, spiritual wickedness in high places, and so forth. So I was like blown away. I'm like, this is it, man. You can touch it. The words are just like jumping out at me. And it was just mind-boggling. And it was amazing because as I began to look at all the different bands that I was into and so forth, and that were popular around the world, you saw that you saw the footprints of Satan all over there. And we show that. Watch our video. If you have not seen it, what are you waiting for, man? Watch They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll. It's like a blow mine. It's Amen. real clear. It's how Chad, Chad used that. Lord used that with Chad to get, get him saved. But also, right now, I mean, uh, we're working on Marvel. And I don't want to talk long about that, but we are getting excited about it. Amen. Doing a few a, a few long voiceovers tomorrow. And we're getting our plan is to have it done real soon. We're getting really close. Uh, we're trying to have the last voiceovers done by the end of this month. So hopefully we'll get there. So please, please pray for us. Yes, really, amen. really please. appreciate your prayers because uh, the Lord's going to work through that. But you're seeing the same thing, the same demonic world, the leaders, many of the leaders, I mean, over and over again, consistently. Yeah, I just want to say something real quick because we were talking specifically about Marvel and praying. I mean, I don't think it's an accident also uh, that we're, we were in the midst of it uh, making this, this film and Joe literally almost died. And so that's why we do ask, and, and I do believe a lot of the prayers of the saints that have been involved on Good Fight Ministries, Praise I mean, God, we man. were keeping up to date as much as we could. Uh, we were on Patreon as well. A ton of the Patreon subscribers were like, can we get updates, you know? And we were trying to give them updates. And I do believe a lot of that was a spiritual attack, 100%. And I believe that he won't stop attacking because of the truth that I've only, in all honesty, I've only seen maybe 25% of the information that is in that film and already, it to me, it was slam dunk after just the first meeting we had two years less ago. Than 5%, yeah, really? maybe less than five. <laughs> <laughs> but, but nonetheless, this is why we're, we do say the spiritual reality. This isn't something we're joking about. Like, oh, there's Satan, and don't don't read the New Testament thinking, oh, Satan's this byproduct. He's this thing on the side. He's active. Like I, we just did first so Peter. Real. It's so real. So please. And I do believe that uh, some of the, the physical ailments that took place was to hinder that project. And please pray those things don't happen. That's all I'm Yeah, asking. amen. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, the evidence in just Marvel and DC in their comics, end times, prophecy, they're constantly showing end time events in the context of making the God who's coming, brainwashing, conditioning the masses from little kids through comics and cartoons up to adults, uh, which are very popular among adults. It's the top music franchise in the world right now has been for some time, and they're conditioning with the, these top villains. They make they make them like Christ, and but they don't show him being as benevolent in any way or full of love and sacrificing his life for the world. They twist him, and it happens over and over again. And when you look at the writers, many of them are into Crowley and Satanism and or, and, or the occult. 
And it's just a blow mind. It's like, well, it's the same thing you're seeing with They Sold Their Souls. And these writers, oftentimes, we show they acknowledge some of the top writers, uh, acknowledge that they're not only working with the occult, but some of them even mention that they're uh, being used, that they're eliciting the power of demons to write better, and they become the top writers, just like They Sold Their Souls Rock and Roll. Don't tell me the Word of God is not the Word of God, man. Uh, we got so many evidences. And, I mean, you have these similar testimony to my own and crying out to the Lord. I mean, right now, the most popular music artist is Billie Eilish, right? For females, yeah. Yeah, for a female artist, yeah. She is huge, and she's got, we don't have time to get into it, but, you know, and they sold their souls for rock and roll, our updated presentation we reveal, hopefully that'll come out before too long, but when I do it live, and Chad does it live now too, uh, we show that she's got her eyes rolled up in her head. She's got a whole album about her experiences where she goes into states of paralysis and and where she, you know, even levitates and and she acknowledges, I mean, without getting too deep, it's talking, she's talking about demonic possession, man. So, and you look at the top, you know, this whole, the whole UFO phenomena that we hear about around the world and that's increasing lately because this month or last month was, they had to release the government, a lot of the uh, stuff that seems like there's something really happening. And I'll be playing it one of these Sundays coming up where one of the leaders in the government admitted that one of his leaders said, we know what it is. It's demonic. You know, and it's kind of interesting because I'm not saying everything, all of it's demonic, but it's quite interesting. Uh, some guys from MUFON, I'm not even sure how you pronounce it. I, I read about this group uh, once in a while, and it's a, a network of those who investigate, you know, supposed abductions and so forth. And what they see over and over again is the same thing that mirrors demonic activity, demon possession, uh, and so forth. But there's a couple of these guys that came out, which we'll, we'll deal with this another time when we do a whole... A uh, couple shows maybe on UFOs or what have you. I've got a, yeah, <laughs> a video no, that's no, supposed to be done working with, on that. with on that for a long time as well. But a couple of these guys that came out of it, they ran into the same phenomena. They said, wow, there's all this occult activity. But, and by the way, we're talking about prophecy being underutilized evidence. How many people use the fact that there's a demonic world and you can prove it Amen. as an evidence for Christianity? And the scriptures well? are the only one that speak accurately about that world to reality yeah. of what happens. And yeah. you should use these. That's why they sold their soul. God has used to uh, share to, to to save Chad, being one of thousands of, of people, because it's such powerful evidence that Satan is real, God is real. We tie it together with biblical prophecy as an evidence. So, uh, but a couple of these guys came out and their their testimony. One of them even wrote a book. Uh, and they testify about what well, we were involved in this. We thought it was aliens. But over and over again, we saw people continue to be harassed by these entities, which they realized were spiritual. And they said, but we found certain people, a certain subgroup of people in this wider group of those who had these attacks were delivered from these supposed alien entities. And it was those who were crying out to Jesus. And when they cried out and used the name of Jesus, these things stopped. They didn't have any power over them. And they became Christians. And they didn't have subsequent psychic experiences, so-called, and occult experiences. We started to realize, wow, this is a pattern here. Wow, this points to a phenomenon that's actually demonic. These aren't loving, caring, benevolent beings that are doing supposed anal probes and so forth, and so secretive and evil. Uh, and they became professing believers. So this is a powerful evidence. Uh, so we're, we're going to deal more with prophecy more specifically. We'll do a little prophecy in this show as well but with Israel next show. But let's deal with some prophecy in regard to Jesus Christ himself. I mean, his death, his, even prior, when you go to the Old Testament, you see long, more than his death. You'll see in chapter three, verse 16, that uh, the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. But you also see that he'd be rejected. 
Um, he's typified through Moses and, and David and Joseph. Joseph, a great picture where he's rejected by his brethren. And the scriptures, you know, talk about, you know, Elijah, which of the prophets have you not, you know, killed, you know? And uh, Moses is a picture of being rejected by his own people, uh, going and becoming a shepherd, coming back and becoming the deliverer and a second coming uh, to them. Joseph was rejected by his brethren, who represent the 12 tribes of Israel as the fathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. He's rejected. He's sold into slavery. He's given over to the Gentiles by a guy named Judah, which is the Hebrew word name for Judas. And Jesus will be betrayed by the tribes of Israel, uh, by Judas and Israel. And Joseph's uh, rejection ended up putting him at the right hand of Pharaoh, where he fed the world during the time of famine, the bread of life. Well, guess what? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and we partake of communion uh, throughout the world now, all these different nations, believers in different nations, uh, because he feeds us the bread of life, salvation, through his death and resurrection on the cross. And then he will come a second time. So it's interesting, though, in the prophecies of the Old Testament, is Jesus and Israel, you know, in that order, as far as to me, I believe the greatest evidence is, because you have prophecies, and since you were dealing with Daniel, that's why I thought, let's, let's move over to this, let's <laughs> yeah. move over to, instead of dealing with just Israel, which is such a magnanimous, powerful prophecy. Uh, in Daniel 9, it says that he'd be rejected. He'd be cut off from, the land, of the, from the land of the living. It says that this would happen before the destruction of the temple. Before the temple was built. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> go ahead and read it. I mean, read the, read the passage in Daniel chapter 9. Uh, the, you know, the temple is, yeah, to be built, but to be destroyed before... He's to come before the destroy the temple is destroyed. So no Jew could say, "Well, I don't believe he's the Messiah." Then say, "Well, who was it? it?" Has to be someone before the temple was destroyed. Read, read him Daniel chapter nine. Well, Messiah was the light to the Gentiles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have in Daniel nine, it says actually, right, Chad? There'd be a the angel tells Daniel there'll be sixty nine sevens yep. until the Messiah comes. And in the Hebrew, it's sixty nine shabuim, sixty two and seven, uh, which is sixty nine shabuim and a shabua shabuim. The im is is plural in Hebrew, but the Shabua is a week. It could be, a, it could be a, a week of days or a week of years. The word Shabua is used in Genesis for Jacob having to work for a Shabua for seven years seven to get Rachel. And then he gets Leah and he has to work for seven more. So, but it's 69 Shabua and a Shabuim. So 69 times seven is 483. We don't have time to get into it. We did a whole podcast on this not too long back that you could check out maybe last year sometime. So I'll only mention it quickly, but it says... From 69 Shabuim, from the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, from a decree that's going to take place. Daniel's in captivity, in Babylonian captivity. He's praying, you know, how long until it looks like our, our time's up, 70 years. He's, the angel tells him, 69 Shabuim, from the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, and then the Messiah will be cut off. Well, the Persians overtake the Babylonians. He is the cupbearer, Daniel, to Artaxerxes in Nehemiah chapter 2, and he, received the, he receives the decree to go rebuild Jerusalem. Well, historians put that at 444. Or 445 BC. I don't want to go through all the math because the time I want to get some sort of things. But you you go from those dates where historians put that decree, uh, give or take a year or two, and guess where it brings you to about 32 AD, right when Jesus was cut off. Uh, radical, amazing. And there's one seven left, one shibuim left because there's 70 weeks, and that's the tribulation period in the middle of the week. That's when the Antichrist sits in the temple. That's the great tribulation period that lasts seven years. So Jesus's rejection, his his crucifixion, the fact that we're told that his hands and his feet in chapter 22 of verse 16 
for dogs have encompassed me. A company of evildoers encircled me. They have pierced my hands and feet. They've divided up my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Psalm 22, 18. Long before they were crucifying or putting to death, uh, you know, <laughs> who they thought were criminals, right? They were stoning them to death then. Yet we read in Zechariah 12.10 that when the Messiah comes back in the Old Testament, they'll see the one that they pierce. We read in Isaiah chapter 53, it even shows what they'll say. It says they'll say, we thought he was rejected by God, but it was for our sins that he was he was put to death for our iniquities. We all like sheep have gone astray. The Lord has laid the iniquity of us all upon him and that the Jews will finally get it. By the way, in the synagogues, they skip that chapter. Why? I think we know why, because it's obviously about Jesus. We have these prophecies long before Jesus came that declare who he is. 22, 900 years in Psalms 22, 700 years in Isaiah 53, and we go on and on and on. But Jesus Christ is Lord and use Bible prophecy. You want to know when I miss next episode. Amen. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202 Simi Valley, California, 93062, or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.